As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You can have big dreams and you can do whatever you want, but there's a lot of mindset stuff that has to happen first, which is very aligned with, with my, what I do with my clients with financial coaching as well. Hello and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty and I am your host and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I'm here today with my guest, expert guest, Haley. Hi, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you are also a podcast host and your podcast is The Price of Avocado Toast, which is, you know, very relevant because it's a big popular <laughs> item with millennials and I would say myself. Uh, so tell us a little bit about um, your podcast and yourself and how you got started in the personal finance arena. Totally. Well, my name is Haley Brownwoods, and I am a co-host of the Price of Avocado Toast podcast. My husband and I actually co-host the podcast together. And I'm a former teacher turned financial coach, so there's just a lot going on here. But I got started in this whole entire arena because of our own story. So my husband and I had a lot of money. This is a, a wild story. So I hope okay. your listeners are in for a ride. <laughs> My husband received a $600,000 um, inheritance settlement for a wrongful death lawsuit of his grandmother. And so it was a lot of money and we were really young and we didn't know what to do. So we essentially won the lottery. Can I ask you a question? Was it, was it tax-free 600,000 or was it like? Uh... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was a million dollars initially, and then there were $400,000 of like warrior's fees, but then we didn't have to pay taxes on it. Okay. And so we got a whole lot of money and we, we basically won the lottery and it's a, it's a wild journey, but we blew it in two and a half years, it's like completely gone to zero. And then we were so used to spending at this super, super high level 
we we got married and then like a year later we found ourselves almost thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt just because we were so used to spending so much money and then what would you what did you spend it on like do you have like do you have like some good memories of like oh we went to hawaii we flew first class or um we, it, we went you know, to went... nashville okay <laughs> we went to not... nashville and spent maybe like five thousand dollars on that trip so that's not okay. even much of the whole thing no. I honestly couldn't tell you it we blew it okay so you like didn't get a house or a car or oh anything. well we 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 did buy a house so there's okay, that. okay. So that's so a that's... huge part of it okay <laughs> so we we did buy a house that was um like we live in California, so houses are so expensive. Like we had enough money to pay outright for the whole entire house and we just didn't. So we paid like half the house. I think we put down less than $300,000, but that's a whole house in other states. Yeah. <laughs> and we financed the rest of the house, but the rest of it, I couldn't quite tell you what we spent it on. It, 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 we blew it. It was- It just like yeah. ran through your fingers. It was like uh -huh. there and then it was gone. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, I've yet to meet someone who is like, oof, my story's worse than that. <laughs> well, basically, probably any lottery winner, right? Right, exactly. And that is kind of what led me to wanting to do financial coaching, which I'll get to in a, in a second. But but we we had so much debt. Like we, we blew through $600,000 and then we ended up having $135,000 combined of student loans. We had $27,000 of credit card debt. We financed a timeshare for $10,000. We bought well, we financed a brand new 2018 Forerunner for $50,000. We had so much debt. And so finally, we just decided we were like done with it. Um, and we just got on track and did things really weird. We did a lot of strange things. We liquidated essentially all of our assets to pay off all of our debt. We sold our house, we sold our cars. And um, it's been a wild two years, but like we're finally on the other side. And it's crazy. So that's why I got into this space. Cause I was like, we have this crazy story. I'm tired of hush, hush, not talking about it. About it. Yeah. It's yeah. unique. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So you, what year did you inherit the money? 2016. Okay. So 2016, you had the money. It lasted like kind of about two years. Uh -huh. We got married in September of 2018, had a beautiful $30,000 wedding. And that was the end of the money. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so now we're in, so this recording is being recorded before we're going to air it. So we are at the very end of 2021. So then basically three years later or about three years later. Wow. That's a lot in like not uh, yeah. a long period of time. No, it, it's been <laughs> the highs of highs and the real lows of lows. Like it was all over the place and we didn't really know what we were doing because we weren't taught this. And so no. when we when we were paying off our debt, we initially, um, we got started like so many people with Dave Ramsey. We no longer follow him anymore, but we got started with his book and got on the baby steps and did that hardcore for like a year and a half until we realized like we wanted to kind of just do things our own way, like okay. sell our house. But, but we felt like there was no support and no one knew what to do and no one knew how to support us like friends and family. Cause we're sitting right. there, like we have so much debt and no one knows how to even talk to us about it. So that's how I entered the finance space. Like just, and I, I would even argue that no one talked to you about having money either. Like when you inherited that money, did anybody like any friends or family be like, Hey, here's, like read this book or put it in, don't do anything until you have this structure. Nope. 
So it was like no support on either end, like having money had no support and then having debt had no support. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can laugh at it now. There's a lot of stuff attached to it. Like we've been working through this trauma, but I do find it slightly entertaining now that I'm four years on the other side. I'm like, oh, wow, that was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so tell me, okay. So you at some point had to that like come to Jesus moment where you were like, we're out of money and now we have debt. Was there like a specific incident or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. It was a very specific incident. And we, we'd been married for a year and my husband and I went on our one year wedding anniversary trip to Monterey, California. So it's an expensive part of California. Isn't that where they film big little lies? I actually don't know. I think it is. They have all those mansions anyway. Uh, Yeah. Sidebar. Okay huge mansion super super expensive place but a little context my my husband and I were both teachers so up until this point one of us was in school of some sort and then finally we're both full-time teachers making salaries for the first time we should know how to handle our money we're finally making decent money I think we were making about $120,000 combined between the two of us. So that's not that much money where we live at all, but it was finally something, right? Mm -hmm. But by the end of the month, we went on our anniversary trip and we came back and we had absolutely no money. And everything was being put on credit cards, our electric bill, phone bills. And I remember I went to Costco to go buy some groceries and I came back and my husband and I, we get along really well. We, We very rarely even have disagreements. And I came home with some muffins pumpkin muffins, you know, two for seven at Costco's. You can't pass up. So I came home with the muffins and he was very angry and was like, why do you have these muffins? You know, it was just a huge ordeal. And it wasn't that he was mad at me. He wasn't mad about me getting muffins. It was the fact that we didn't have $7 to be spending on muffins. Right. The 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 muffins was like the, yeah, the thing that tipped tipped it definitely we didn't have money to buy seven dollar muffins and that was a really low low to know that we were really that broke and that you had inherited all this money and you both had good jobs and were making money right and so it was like okay whatever we're doing clearly is not working we need Mm -hmm. to get it together and fix this and that's when so you started like googling or i'm assuming and came to find dave ramsey yes my brother recommended for a long time to read his book and so then we we went on a road trip and listened to the audiobook. And okay. that's where we got started. And that was in 2018. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So you've done, I mean, now you have a podcast. Price of Avocado Toast. And we started that in June of 2020. And so. Oh yeah. Okay. So you're. It went like fast. <laughs> yeah. It goes, it goes really fast. Okay. So then you sat down and you tried to figure it out. So you decided to liquidate all of your assets. So you started with selling the house. We, we, we sold my husband's car. He had a paid off RAV4. So we paid, we sold that because it was paid okay. off. That was one thing he bought with, with all the money. Okay. <laughs> and then the next thing we sold was my forerunner, which we did have it paid off because like I said, we did things very untraditionally. So we did a cash out refinance against our home the summer before to pay the car off. A lot of like backwards shifting of money. Yeah. Um, so we had this paid off really nice new car. And so then we finally decided, okay, let's sell that and put money towards debt. And then the final straw was our house. We just, we wanted to be closer to my family and we wanted to have some more support because 
we were living near my husband's family and they are all working and my mom's retired. So she's able to help with our young kids. And it just seemed like if we wanted to get ahead and get out of the hole, this was really the only way. And we live in California. So we knew that we'd be able to make some money off of our house Mm -hmm. and walk away from that kind of start fresh. And it's been a really, it was a huge emotional process, but wow, does it feel cool to have the knowledge now and to really, truly, genuinely start fresh from the beginning. Okay, and so you got rid of the student loan debt. Get, well, or we have trying- the money. We have you, the money to do it. We haven't quite you're paid waiting. off yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. waiting to yeah. see. And then you got, did you get a new house? We are renting right renting. now. Okay. It's a very kind of serendipitous situation. We're actually renting from my mom. She has a rental house. So oh, we're perfect. back to we're back to renting. We're like down the street from my mom and we're just- saving a bunch of money for our next house eventually. That's perfect. Well, because the nice thing about renting, I talked a lot, a lot about this on our podcast, is when you own a home, it, it's great and it's a good move for some people, but I don't always think it's a good move for everybody just because of the cost. Like you never know, like I mentioned out loud in my kitchen that maybe I'd buy another piece of real estate. And then as I said that, the refrigerator broke. Like it actually broke oh while, I, while I uttered the words. So like, if you just don't have good luck with real estate, which I do not, it can be very expensive when things go wrong versus renting. If the refrigerator broke, you call your landlord, which would be your mother, but it's somebody else's one-time expense or. Right. And we, we had a fire storm. There was a storm and then there was a fire at the same time. And, and a tree, a large part of a very large tree in front of our yard fell down and broke our fence so we had to have the tree removed we had to have the fence removed it was just a whole lot of stuff yes. that when you're renting that's the landlord um, yeah the problem. landlord's problem yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and that's the stuff that like it, you just you can't really plan but you can plan to have cash available for emergencies but you don't right. know what the emergency is going to be is it going to be a thousand dollars or is it going to be ten or fifteen thousand dollars because it was like a mul- multiple thing. So yeah, I think that's great. So you're renting and then you'll be saving up. So how did you pick, um, how, like, how did you settle on financial coaching versus the financial advice? Yeah, that's actually, it's been a very interesting experience. We worked with the financial coach when we were getting out of debt and we met him through Instagram, through the debt-free community when we started our podcast last year. And we worked with him for about six months and we just love the support and being able to have another person as a soundboard to bounce ideas off of. He presented ideas that we wouldn't have ever considered. And so it was really nice having that. I'm also a teacher. Um, I'm no, I'm no longer in the classroom because I'm staying home with my children and running my financial coaching business but I thought about it and this is the perfect way to teach people all the things they should have taught us in school. But they didn't. (laughs) But they didn't. And still be able to do everything that I want to with being able to stay home with my kids, teach still, but in a different way and just change lives because that our financial coach was so, so helpful on our journey. What was one thing that you thought that you got from the financial coach that was unexpected? Because I mean, you expected to get help with debt, right? And education. Was there anything that was a surprise to you? I would say the biggest thing was really just having that third opinion. So my husband has his opinion. I have my opinion. And most of the time we're pretty aligned. Like we have, we have different ideas and then we come together and we make decisions. But then we, our coach Ryan, 
he had some ideas that we wouldn't have even thought about. You know, he lives in Arizona. We live in California. We we see things differently just based off of how expensive things are in California and the opportunities that don't really exist here. Um, So he was able to present like selling our car and we came to him with ideas and he would help like come up with more ideas. Yeah. Or like take it to another level. Right. Yeah. Like, well, well, have you thought about this? This is what your life could look like if you didn't have that payment. If you could remove this payment, then you'd have less expenses and you'd be able to put more money here. And it was really cool to have someone just fidgeting with the numbers when we never even looked at the numbers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true because sometimes when you're in it, it's, you know, you're not looking at that 30,000 view, you know, you're like in the weeds a bit and, and yeah. your own finances to get that unique perspective and, you know, mutual perspective. So then well, how, so then you decided you're doing the podcast and you're like, I'm just going to stop. I'll stay home and I'll start my financial coaching business. So talk to me a little bit about how to start a financial coaching business. Cause this is a very different world than the world that I'm in. Totally. It, it is a way different world. And I, I first started by saying, Hey, I think I want to do this. And I went and reached out to a bunch of financial coaches on okay. online through the websites and stuff and asking them what they did to start. And there was a very common theme that there was no theme. <laughs> oh, so everybody was different. Everyone did their own thing. There are a few programs some people go through. There's Dave Ramsey's well-known financial coach master training. There's fiscal fitness. They run a program called the Financial Coach Academy. And then there's a couple other ones that I don't even remember the name for, but those are the two big ones. Okay. Some people went through programs. Other people didn't. Some people got certifications. Some people didn't. So I, I sat there thinking, okay, well, where do I start if all these people kind of did if their own thing? Yeah, there wasn't like a roadmap. Right. So I actually ended up going through Financial Coach Academy. Okay. And that was super helpful for getting my business started. I didn't learn information through Financial Coach Academy necessarily about how to coach people. It was more like how to start a business, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Starting a business is, a, a, <laughs> that's the whole thing. <laughs> right. And I keep, telling people who have actually asked me about financial coaching, like for them to go into financial coaching, that your experience is really what qualifies you to, to do this. You know, we, we blew through a lot of money. We paid off a lot of debt. I can't say that our experience is going to be exactly a mirror of anyone else's, but that is the really big qualifier there. Someone's experience. That that makes total sense. And then what about with starting it? um, Did you find when you were asking all these other coaches, are they doing it full-time or part-time? And what are you thinking for your own financial coaching business? So I am doing this full-time and I actually started doing it full-time from the beginning because I I have two babies 18 months apart. (laughs) And to have two babies in, in childcare in California was going to be, I mean, $2,500 or so a month. And so that was a huge deciding factor of like, okay, if I could find a job to work remotely, that would be huge. Right. Um, So after I had my second child in, in June of 2021, I said, you know, I'm going to start my financial coaching business in August and I'll just start full time because I'm not working at the same time. I'll just start it and Mm -hmm. just go. And that's what I did. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. What was the what was the hardest part of the business, like setting up the business? Was it figuring out your pricing or your 
revenue model or what oh my gosh. from the business standpoint? There's so much. I think just starting the like legal part was difficult. Um, there were so many options. Some people do LLCs, some people do S Corps. I just decided to do the sole proprietor option mm -hmm. for this rest of the year. I started in August. So from August till December wasn't that long. And actually right. to get an LLC in California, $800 a year, not just once every single year. So mm -hmm. I decided I'll hold off until 2022 to do that. But there were so many options and I didn't really know which one was the best option, especially being in California. A lot of the research on the liabilities and the insurance, um, working with my CPA, the whole thing, there was just a lot more than I had ever really anticipated with the, the legal part of it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I am just curious, do you go over investments as a financial coach or do you just stick with like savings and debt goals? That's a really good question. And I think that that is the main difference between between financial advisors and financial planners versus financial coach. So no, the answer is no. So I do not do that because, you know, you guys went through so much schooling and certificates and all of that. Um, we, we do not do that. So I work primarily with the mindset and the behaviors of money okay. and working towards goals. My special niche is paying off debt because that's what I did personally. Right. Okay. So I love helping people pay off debt. I will point people in the right direction for where to go with investments, but I, I do not talk investments with people B besides basic, like, Hey, you can open a Roth, but that's, that's about as in depth as I get. <laughs> it's, it's not my specialty. And I think that I do believe you need to have a financial professional in your corner, whether that's a planner or an advisor, we work with an advisor and it's funny because a lot of financial coaches hate on financial advisors. Yeah. And I don't see that because I believe you got to like, I, I would never do my own taxes. I, I, pay <laughs> I wouldn't either. Do my taxes. Yeah, I pay someone to do my taxes too. <laughs> Same thing with investments. I don't want to do my own investments. So I'll pay someone to do it yeah. for me and help me win. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I heard a really good analogy and because I didn't really know much about financial coaching because it's not my background. Um, mm -hmm. And I, but I do agree with you. It seems like two very different communities and they kind of don't engage or work together from the outside, at least it looks like. But to me, it makes total sense because a financial advisor most in most cases doesn't really have the time or the bandwidth to focus on a debt repayment strategy or money mindset or psychology they can a little bit but it's not as you were saying it's it's not really what you go to school for right right and so to me it's, it's like a perfect bridge that you would start with a financial coach to get you to the position where you have money to invest and then you need investment help or estate planning and retirement income yes. planning like on the it bridges you to that next level because yep. you need if you can't get there on your own, then that would be the vehicle, the coaching would be the vehicle to get you there, right? Yes, that's exactly what I tell my clients who come to me for consultations. Like, do you help with investing? And I say, well, you have $2,000 a month of, of debt payments. Are you really in a place to yeah. be maxing out your 401k? I mean, no, really, probably like, not. We yeah. To, <laughs> we could look at that situation and, and then take those steps. Most people do need a financial coach before they're even ready to work with a financial advisor or planner. 
yeah, no, I would, I read an article about it and I was like, that makes like the perfect marriage, right? Like start with yeah. here and then, then it can get you to the next, the next part. And then how does it go for somebody who's looking for a financial coach? Like, what would your recommendation be for how to look for them? And then also how do you pay for a financial coach, right? Cause the hard part is if you're in debt, right? Adding another item that you're paying for. Right, right. So if you're looking for a financial coach, I would just recommend reaching out to a financial coach myself or really any financial coach and asking to have a consultation with them. Okay. I, this is my personal opinion. I believe that you need to have a free consultation to meet them to see if you even jive with right. the coach, because I'm not going to be the best coach for everyone. Just like they're not going to be the best client for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think that those should be free consultations. So if someone's trying to charge you for a consultation, you might not want to work with them. That's my opinion. Because <laughs> you have yeah. to figure out if you're a good match. Yeah, because you're going to be working really closely together. So yeah. And your question about payment, I think also a lot of financial coaches, this, this went in my research too. I was asking a bunch of people, what do you pay? How long is your term? Right. How does this work out? And it's all over the place. So some coaches charge $100 a month and others will coach for $800 a month. It is wow. all over the place. So in, in the process of finding the right coach for you is finding the right coach slash someone you can afford. Okay. I charge $247 a month. So it's about $1,500 for the whole six months. And okay. essentially that's $1,500 to fix a $30,000 problem if someone has a big right. debt problem. And if someone's ready to, to do that, most of the time they can find that money in their eating out budget or somewhere else to move it around and prioritize. But I, I don't believe in severely overcharging people when they're in debt. That does not make sense. <laughs> right. And I, I agree. They probably have it somewhere in their budget and when they're ready to make that change. And then for you, for you, for instance, do you, is it like a six month contract, right? Cause it's not, you would want someone that would want to sign up for more than a session or two, I would yes. think. Yeah, I do six month contracts because it takes at least three months to get the budget going. And even right. then you need so much handholding after you're like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing. You still need a lot of assistance. So by the end of the six months, you should feel confident that, okay, I know what I'm doing. I think I can do this on my own. And some people may continue on after six months. Some people may go month to month after that, but I do require initially it's a full six month period. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Nothing, nothing good happens overnight. <laughs> nope, not at all. I mean, it took us two years. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it takes time. As, depending on the situation too, how severe it is. Right. It and takes. especially with, with new habits and breaking bad habits and establishing new positive habits, those are going to take time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause a lot of it's habit, right? Mm-hmm. And getting used to a new new budget is definitely a new habit. Totally. So what would, if you had to give somebody who was listening to this podcast, because we have a lot of women that are interested in getting into the personal finance space. And I, I really like the idea, kind of like what you did, if you're really thinking about uh, career change, I think financial coaching is a lot, just my opinion, a lot less daunting to get into. Because as yeah. you said, there's so many different ways to do it versus maybe the you know, CFP routes, like pretty set. So like, if you want to kind of customize it for your own lifestyle. So what would your advice be to a female who's looking to get into financial coaching? Reach out to a financial coach and ask them questions about what they did. Um, most of us are really open about sharing the process. 
uh, every single person I asked was super open. They told me everything. They told me how much they charge, how long everything is, what they did to get started, how much everything costs. And that's kind of where, where I recommend getting started. Just go pick someone's brain and, and you don't need to have it all figured out to get started. And that was what kept me from starting sooner. Cause I thought I have to wait till I have the baby. Yes. Yeah. Sure, I, was, I was pregnant. I was really, I should have waited, but, but I was like, I have to wait till I have the baby. I have to wait till I get all my ducks in a row. And to be totally honest, I'm very successful in my business right now. I have 20 clients and I don't even have a website up and working. Like you don't have to have everything up and going yet. That's amazing. And so do you also think that if somebody was hesitant, maybe not where there wasn't a two household income or they couldn't afford for, you know, if speaking from a woman's perspective, she couldn't afford to quit her job because they need that money for the mortgage or because Mm -hmm. it's a two income household. Do you think that you could be profitable in a year is question one. And question two is if you don't think, do you think you could start on the side and supplement your income until you had the flexibility to quit. Definitely. I would recommend if you're not in a position to, you know, I just sold my job. There's a lot of privilege coming from my situation. Did I say sold my job? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just sold my house. Oh, you sold I, your I, house. I, you I wasn't going back into teaching. There's a lot of privilege in my situation where I didn't have to go back to work immediately. And if I wouldn't recommend someone just quit their job and go be a financial coach overnight. I would recommend actually starting it on the side, build it up, take some clients. And then if you want to take it full time, you totally could once you, once you get it, get it going. Yeah. Cause I think that's the biggest issue for women who are interested in getting into this field is if they don't have the ability to quit their job because they need it to make their monthly obligations. Um, You know, how do you ease your way into it? So starting it on the side. Right, because I would imagine you're able to set your hours with your clients, right? Yes, so- and you can set your hours however you want. Most of my, the best part is it's remote. Most of my clients are on the East Coast and I'm in California, so I can adjust schedules. Yep. We can meet weekends or after work because most of my clients do work a traditional like nine to five or eight to five job. So, you know, they can't meet me in the middle of the day anyway. Right, yeah, because they're working. Right. Perfect. Okay. So for anyone listening, the advice would be to reach out to someone else who's already doing it. Maybe someone you would like. I always say it's always nice to look at someone and be like, I would like to do what they're doing. Like I like their lifestyle. I like how they're running it. That would be like, to me, that would be the person to reach out to. Not somebody you're like, oh, that looks like not the best lifestyle. And then start it as a side hustle if you can to get it off the ground. Yeah, that's a really good point. You want to make sure that you're getting your your advice from someone that you aspire to, you know, have your life resemble something that they're doing, not just some random Joe Schmo who's yeah, exactly. super successful and doesn't want to share the information of how they got there. Yeah, to- totally. I, I always just took that, that's just from my career. It's like, do I want, if I'm on this track, do I really want to be that person? You know, like, do I want that life that they have in three years? When the answer was no, it was like, okay, hold on. Let me think about this. (laughs) Do you think there's any myths about financial coaching that are out there? Well, I think that there's a huge myth just that like you have to have a lot of money to make progress. And I find that incredibly false. We had a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't equal success with with your finances either. No, if you cannot manage bringing home $2,000 a month, then you're not going to manage bringing home $10,000 a month. And 
that's the myth. You don't have to make a lot of money to make progress. You don't have to make a lot of money to get started or to work on your finances. You need to start where you are. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest myth. (laughs) No, I think that you bring up a super valid point because that's the exact issue. The reason with lottery winners and your situation is just money doesn't solve problems. Mm-hmm. It, it actually, I think with the, I think somebody has said that it um, magnifies anything. So if you were already bad with money and now you have money, the problems are magnified, right? Because mm-hmm. instead of losing $10,000 or being frivolous with $10,000, you're now being frivolous with $100,000. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would agree with you. Because yeah, that is something I also hear, hear in my field. It's like, oh, well, I'll wait till I have money. And it's just like, no. <laughs> You should. You start wait till you have money. You'll probably never have money, and then yeah, exactly. Then you're stuck. <laughs> then you're stuck ever having money forever. Exactly. That's really funny. Um. So, do you have any favorite books or resources? I really like. Have you ever read "You Are a Badass" by Jen Sincero? You know, I have it, and I don't think I've read it. It's really, it's a really good book, but that's not the one I recommend. I okay. recommend <laughs> "You Are a Badass." At Making Money by Jen Sincero. So she has several different ones that she yeah. has written. And man, that book like changed my perspective on so many things. I used to think it was that I was bad or bougie, bad and bougie <laughs> for wanting success and wanting to oh, yeah. have money and handle my money well and have a really nice life. I used to think that that was really not a good thing to want that. Like, who am I to want that? And that book really changed my perspective that we can really, you can have big dreams and you can do whatever you want, but there's a lot of mindset stuff that has to happen first, which is very aligned with, with my, what I do with my clients with financial coaching as well. So I love that book. <laughs> uh, you know, I've never read that book. So I will add that to my list. That was, that's, that's one. one I haven't heard yet on the podcast. Well, everyone should go listen. Oh, I listened yeah. to the audiobook, So that's why I said that. <laughs> I try, I like, I still am one of the ones who really likes like a regular book. Yeah. Because then I can like put my phone away. Yeah. I mean, I have a bunch of books here. So I like to be able to like sit down with a book and read it when work isn't busy. If work's busy, I listen to everything audio because it's just an easier mechanism. But I like that. And I also agree with you. I feel like, especially with women, it feels like distasteful almost to be like, I want to make money or I want to have money. It, And it shouldn't. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, when we when we moved, sold our house, and we we told a few people that we wanted to sell our house to go move somewhere to have a bigger house and have this life. And a few people made some comments about like, well, why why can't you just be content here? And and there's nothing wrong with wanting more. There's absolutely no, there's nothing, wrong. nothing wrong with wanting better or more. And for a long time, I thought that that was shameful to want a really nice house and to be able to provide for my kids and let them do all the sports that they want. But there's nothing wrong with that. That's basic. We can have nice things. Yeah. And everybody has their own path, right? So if you're happy with what you have, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want more than what you have, there's also nothing wrong with that. I feel like the opinion is like, you should just be happy with what you have and that's the right way to be. And it's not, you can want less or want more. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I am content with what I have, but I also want more. (laughs) No, I agree with you. And I feel like, especially with women, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like if a man says, you know, I want to upgrade or there's less shame around it, there's less judgment around it. Well, it's, it's the man that worked really hard for all of this. So they're, 
all deserving. And for us, it's, I, I often feel like it's, it's viewed like, um, you know, the real housewives, like you just have this really fancy thing because your husband worked really hard, but what about us working hard? I know. I mean, let's talk about that. <laughs> Thankfully, this is not, I don't, I, it happened to me a couple times in Utah. I think just cause it's more traditional here. It never happened to me in New York, but they'd be like, Oh, is your husband tall? And I'm like, no, I don't have one of those. Bought all this myself. <laughs> Thanks for asking, though. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't really happen to me in New York because it's just you know no, more normal in Manhattan right. to be a single successful female. Uh, uh, then I came to Utah a couple of times. Do you have a husband? Is there some? Is there a man here? And I'm like, no. Who's no, paying no. the bills? I pay um, all these bills myself. <laughs> this is all mine. Um, but yeah, no, I I totally totally agree with you. So I will definitely check out that book. I'm going to add it to my reading list for 2022. Um, and so then where can all of our lovely listeners find your podcast and also find your coaching businesses or not a website yet? Maybe there'll be a website when we air this. I don't know. Maybe the, the website's going real slow. <laughs> um, I live on Instagram, so you can find okay. me at price of avocado toast on Instagram and okay. slide into my DMS. And I can ask you, you can ask me questions about coaching, about like wanting to be a coach, or if you're right. listening and you're interested in having a coach, I can answer all of the questions and point you in the right direction for people who can help you if it's not me. Also, um, our podcast is Price of Avocado Toast, and you can find that anywhere that you listen to podcasts, like you're listening to this one. Just like this one. Well, Haley, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's a crazy story. It is. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thank you for having me on your podcast I really appreciate it you're welcome um, and for all of our lovely listeners you can also find us on Instagram it is actually the best place to get in touch with us and you can check out our online classes in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.futurerichpodcast.com enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM sign up using code champion and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with BetMGM at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever remember to use code champion and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.